Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people. Some of the people that work in some of these places, many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is Stuart from Hear Me See Me Podcast, and I've been really looking forward to today because I'm speaking to uh, a good friend of mine who... I was guest on his podcast at some point, hence the title, and um, I've really, he's helped me with haircuts for homeless, I've long been an admirer of his work as a hairdresser, and he's just an all-round good guy. Today I'm speaking to Neil Moody, hello sir. Hello, how are you? That was a very nice intro, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You sure you're talking about me? (laughs) No, it is you, it surely is you sir. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was thinking back, we was just saying about, you know, I remember going to your flat and doing yours before I'd ever done one myself, so um, yeah. I think it was just one of the first ones I, I was a guest on, and, yeah. um, you know, uh, we'd recently done a um, an Insta Live, didn't we, for the British Beauty Cats yeah. as well, yeah. so it was a... Which yeah. felt like it was over really quickly, that one, didn't it? it was yeah, of... that was, yeah, it was all starter and no dinner, wasn't it, that one? Yeah, because so... like you, I can chat for hours, I mean, if it's to anyone that will listen, really, do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a big hook coming to take us both out around about the hour mark. Just because it's easy for my producer. <laughs> he, he really gets upset with me when it goes to an hour and a half, so um, we'll see how we get on. Thank you, going then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I want to have just a general chat with you, but um, obviously I want people to know, like, you know, all about your work, and then we can have a little chat about um, haircuts, funds, and that, and, and your involvement with that. So can you can you sort of take me back to your you know where you got in your hairdressing and stuff? Yeah, so um, I was born in Birmingham originally, back in nineteen whenever it was, um, <laughs> and I started hairdressing when I left school when I was sixteen after I did my first set of exams, um, and basically started my training in Birmingham, and then after two years I moved to London seemed to have a bit of a thing in my head that London was a better place to be. And I came to London and finished my training off in London at, um, actually, a salon that no longer exists anymore, sadly. Uh, it was called Casley & Co. And I, I did what they call bartering, which is basically when you... It's a bit of a, a slightly London snobbery thing, in a way, where you, if you're not from London and you haven't trained by then, they want you to retrain. And I hadn't particularly finished my training, so I was getting close, but they felt that they could improve it and make it better. So that's what I did. And then I moved around various salons um, in central London, mainly Covent Garden and a bit in Knightsbridge as well. And yeah, and then basically ended up back in Covent Garden. And uh, again, another salon that was, is no longer around anymore, that was called Brinks and Huck. And it was a very, it was one of those salons that was a bit of a sort of like kind of hub for this sort of creativity. The owners, Anne-Marie and Jonathan, were both ex Vidal Sassoon. And the salon was quite an interesting decor. It was sort of based around the Sistine Chapel in Italy. And it became oh, a bit wow. of a talking, yeah, it came, became a bit of a talking point in Covent Garden because it just didn't look like a regular salon. You know, and there was a lot of people came out there, creative people. Um, you know, they were getting asked to do lots of shoots and things like that. And I just luckily happened to get a job there and work there. And 
Yeah, and then eventually I moved to Italy because I had this dream of living in Italy for some mad reason. And then basically I came back from Italy with my tail between my legs, so that didn't really work out. And <laughs> and I decided that I wanted to go back into hairdressing but not cut hair, so I became a hair colourist. And I went to work for Tony and Guy as a hair colourist in their salon in Kensington. And it was actually there where I kind of got my lucky break as a session hairdresser because I started colouring the hair of a photographer called Corin Day, who sadly is no longer with us. She died actually 10 years ago this month from a brain tumour. But I started colouring Corin's hair because we had a mutual friend and we were introduced. But she didn't like coming to the salon, so I used to go to her flat to colour her hair. And we just used to sit and chat for hours. I mean, you know, she had so much hair, it used to take me hours to colour it. She wanted all these fine highlights, etc. Oh, well, and yeah. then we got to realise that we liked the same thing. So one day she called me and she said, Neil, I've got this model that I just found. She's a brand new model. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, Corinne actually was the first person to photograph Kate Moss and put her on the cover of a magazine, which wow. was a magazine. And eventually also when Corinne got booked to do Vogue magazine for the first time, she asked if she could shoot Kate Moss for that. And basically helped to give Kate her first ever Vogue cover. And Kate's career kind of obviously went stratospheric after that. So Corinne's down as the person that really launched her career in a way. Um, but yeah, she'd asked me to colour this new model's hair. Um, and it was a bit of a thing where the girl had mousy brown hair, long down her back. And Corinne wanted her to look more punky, so I suggested that we coloured it bleach blonde, but left like an inch of roots. And then colour the end pink. Like a, almost a dip dye would be what they call a dip yeah. dye now. Yeah. And we did that. And then the two days before the shoot was happening, Corinne called me and she said, Neil, I don't have a hairdresser to do the actual hair on the day. Can you do it? And of course, I was a bit like, oh, God, I've never really done anything like that before. And she was like, don't worry, you'll be fine. You'll be with me. We'll sort it out. You've done the colour. You'll understand what I'm trying to achieve. And so... I committed the cardinal sin, took a day off work from Tony and Guy on the weekend, <laughs> and, um, basically went and did this shoot secretly, and three months later it came out in the Face magazine, and I had a 12-page, what they call story, which is like a shoot, all the pictures together, in yeah. the Face magazine, and one of the pictures was her hair in a big mohawk, so she basically had these dark roots, loads of like blonde, bleach blonde hair, and then pink ends, yeah. and... That picture, to be honest with you, Stuart, launched my career. Yeah. Um, I, people from Italian Vogue saw that picture and they contacted me and asked me if I'd go and do shoot for Italian Vogue, completely unplanned and unexpected. And that was it, really. And that was how my session career kind of started. Very unplanned, out of the blue, not really uh, pre-calculated. What? I mean, just it amazes me, you know, imagine if you'd have bottled it. Because yeah. you could have easily bought it, couldn't you? You could have gone, I've done the colour, no, I, I don't. This is the, this is the, most, the sort of crossroads we come into life, isn't it? You know, that you could yeah. just, your whole life, with that one thing, or if you thought, I better not have a day, I better not, I better not have a day off from work, or, you know, so many f- reasons not to do that. And yeah. then that's something that, that you just, oh, sorry, I'll do it. Well, my, it's funny you say that because my immediate thought was, no, I can't take a Saturday off work. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Corinne actually was the one that persuaded me. She went, oh, come on, Neil, fuck it, just do it. It'll be fun. And I was a bit like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I was nervous yeah. about calling in sick. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going to encourage people to do that. But No, I, but I get that. It was an opportunity that I kind of, but it's funny though, too, because I didn't even do it thinking, oh, this is going to change my career and it's going to be, you know, my life's going to begin totally different. I, I just saw it for me. I was helping out a mate who was stuck. And because I'd done the colour, I guess she kind of convinced me that I would know what to do on the day. But I was a bit rabbit in the headlights, if I'm really honest. Um, yeah. on the Because it was a whole weekend. The shoot was a Saturday, Sunday. But yeah, God, Lou, I mean, my, my whole life, would have gone in a completely different direction had it not been for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah those um, sliding door moments fascinate me, you know, like in people's lives. It always, 
whenever I'm talking to someone, you just, you just, you just hear that sliding door moment, don't you? And you think, God, it could be so different. Absolutely. But you know what's interesting, shit? When I, I mean, not I'm that old yet, yeah, hopefully, but when I look back, I feel certain things in my life have always been a bit like that because I've never been somebody that massively plans stuff in advance and, you know, does this like, right, this is what I'm going to do and I'm setting a goal and it's got to be done by this date. I do have ideas of things and think, oh, I'd love to do that. I'd love to do that. But I don't channel all my energy into that one thing. And, you know, when I was training to be a hairdresser and when I became, you know, when I became trained, I remember looking at magazines thinking, oh, God, how do these people get to do this? Because I would see names like Sam McKnight and things like that in magazines. But I just imagined that that was something that I would never be able to achieve. So just didn't really bother to try and get there. Um, mm. And again, through friends and meeting people, I mean, I met my friend Carl Pluka, who is a stylist and also editor of Beauty Papers magazine right now. He, yeah, I, met, I know Carl. He's, I think you've met Carl, yeah. I've met he Carl, was yeah. Originally, Carl was originally um, at Vivian Westwood. He was Vivian's assistant. Right. And I'd heard somebody that knew him, that knew me, and said, Carl is looking to become a stylist and wants to do some shoots. And I was introduced to him, and we actually started doing what they call tests, which is where you just get a group of people together, a photographer, hair, makeup, and you create pictures. And they don't necessarily go anywhere. Sometimes somebody thinks if they're good enough, they might try and take them to a magazine and get them published. But, you know, I did tests with Carl and never... Never really, again, just thought, oh, this would be fun. You know what I mean? But weirdly, years later, I work with Carl now because he became a fashion editor in his own right. And, you know, we stayed friends. And suddenly, you know, we were doing these shoots together. I mean, Carl and I lived in New York at the same time in the late 90s. And he was fashion director of Interview Magazine then. So, you know, he worked his way up too. But again, it was a bit of a another sliding doors moment, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I just met this person through a friend and we were club friends, really. We used to hang out and go and party yeah. and have fun. He reminds me so much of Marilyn. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, since I met him, I was like, Marilyn. <laughs> God, do you know what? I've never made that connection before. Joking. You're so right. No, never. Have you not? No, but now yeah. you say it. Yeah. I see what you yeah. mean. Totally. Yeah. I hope he's, I hope he's uh, um, impressed with that. <laughs> Marilyn was a beautiful human being. I remember when I first went to the, uh, the Blitz and um, Steve Strange was on the door and all that. And we, we was, I was, we was proper, proper Essex soul boys, you know, so it was a different world, you know. And then yeah. some, we had a friend who... Um, said, oh, you've got to come along to this. It's really good. And we went along. And we are like, my God, what on earth is this? <laughs> we, where are we? We're on another planet. And then all these women started coming in with, like, leather miniskirts and stocking, stockings and suspenders. And I was like, I think I'll be here next week. So next week, my, my dad was like an army man. So I'd go around my mate's house and put my makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> really good. And I was up there. I thought, this is oh, this is for me. Loved it, though, right? I bet you loved oh, it. Oh, brilliant, isn't it? It was such a unique time. Never to come again, isn't it, that time? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's never going to happen again, that. Not Sorry, I've got a right you. tangent there. We mentioned Marilyn, and I went off on a right <laughs> tangent. But no, I can see what you're saying about that, because... And the funny thing is, Carl's still got long blonde hair now. I mean, I cut yeah. his hair two days ago. And... It's funny because he can, from behind, still gets mistaken for a girl. It's kind of yeah. Oh, he's a beautiful looking man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where was we? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We, we, you were talking about. You was, I know it's my fault. I do it all the time. But we was. You were talking about how the sliding doors moments, are, uh, and you know, like how you just came across with Carl, and then you was. You was. I think we ended up with you. Clubbing in New York, I think, is where we left off, which is a good yeah. place to start again. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, again, even going to New York was one of those moments because mm. I had never really had a mad desire to go to New York or America, funnily enough. And mm. my session career had taken off here in London. 
And then suddenly Corinne, the photographer who I was working with, because she asked me to work with her all the time once that had happened, the initial shoot. So we became very good friends and obviously work colleagues and everything else. And we did a lot of traveling around Europe because, you know, fashion involves you traveling quite a bit. But then suddenly she said to me, Neil, I've been asked to do two shoots in New York and I'd really love you to come with me. And I was like, oh, I've never been to New York before. That'd be great. And so I was paid for to go to New York for a week. And again, I just, I fell in love with it. It was before 9-11, so it was like 1996. And we just had the best time. Corinne had quite a lot of friends there anyway. And so we were hanging out with all these amazing, really cool people. And, you know, and I met all these like art photographers like, um, uh, oh God, Richard, what was his last name? I can't remember now. Richard, um, oh, I can't remember his last name, began to the B. He did a book called Raise a Laugh, which was all about his parents who were like alcoholics. His dad was a raving alcoholic. Wow. And and I also met um, a couple of other amazing art photographers that she knew, but then I also met a friend of Corinne called Rachel, who was modeling in New York at the time. Rachel's originally from New Zealand. And suddenly... Rachel and I were out chatting, so we were out in a bar one night, and she was like, oh, how are you finding New York? And I was like, oh, my God, I'm loving it. I'm having such a good time. She went, would you move here? And I just looked at her and went, yeah. <laughs> and she went, really? And I went, yeah, why not? I was like, I'm having such a good time here. And, of course, we did the shoots as well, which was a few days here and there. But um, by the time we left New York, Corinne said to me, so did you like New York? And I went, yeah, I'd love to live there. And she was like, why don't we go and live there then? And I went, really? And she was like, yeah, come on, let's do it. And it was a, it was another one of those like transluded to New York moments, and um, suddenly I came back going, I'm moving to New York, <laughs> and, and then I called Rachel, who was Corinne's friend, the model, and said to her, "Listen, you know, you were saying about come and move to New York. I'm seriously thinking about it. You know, what do I need to do?" And she went, "Neil, I'm looking for an apartment, new apartment. Do you want to get an apartment with me?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah, why not?" And Next thing I knew, she was calling me up going, I found somewhere, two bedrooms, when do you want to come? And of course, I was a bit like, oh crap, that was a bit quick. (laughs) Um, I needed to get an agent there, and so I flew over, went to meet lots of um, different hair and makeup agencies, and eventually, that was a bit of a process, because they wanted to know that you would have work papers and everything else. Agents actually sponsor you to be there, so you need to get an agent to represent you who can then sponsor your work visa. And yeah, and I was very lucky. I joined an amazing agency called Art and Commerce, which, um, you know, they had all like the top hair, makeup and photography people in fashion. And they seemed to love my work. And yeah, eventually they represented me and I moved to New York like a year later. So sadly, Corinne didn't come because that was when around the time she was uh, diagnosed with her brain tumor. So unfortunately didn't move because she was planning to come too with her well, boyfriend who then became her husband. And yeah, she, I, I remember speaking to her and she was like, Neil, you've got to just go anyway. Just go. She's like, yeah. I've got to sort this out. Da, 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 da. And so, yeah. Um, and so I went and then suddenly I was there for five years. Wow. Five There's probably years. reasons not to go, aren't there? With all yeah. these things. This is what, I don't know what I'm going with this, but it seems to me maybe there's something going in the back of my mind with all this at the moment. But, so many reasons to stop you doing that stuff. Yeah. And it's just that. My parents were doing it anyway. They were horrified. Yeah, I imagine that. was moving to New York. They were just like, oh, what is he doing now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Moving to London was big enough for them. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm going to throw another bomb in the works here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, they, they always lived in... Birmingham. Birmingham. They, they, yeah. Yeah. Always. Yeah. My, yeah, my so mum's never... still there. I mean, my dad's passed away, but my mum's yeah. still there. Yeah. Same yeah. house I grew yeah. up in. So. Yeah. Same as me. Yeah. Same house. Oh, doesn't it? When you go back, you turn into a little boy when you go back. A little bit. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I was just 14 the minute I walked through the front door. <laughs> you know, I, I have people who do actually respect my advice regarding hair. <laughs> but my mum sort of doesn't, you know. Like when I had the sat on, I'd have this new range, you know. <laughs> and go, oh, mum, this is really good. You can, you know. Oh, no, 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 not yeah. for me. 
Mum, please don't do this to me. <laughs> I don't know about you, though, Stuart. Do you know what I'm finding more and more, and the more friends I speak to, the same thing happens. I think when you go home, your mum and your your relationship with your mum ends up going, it sort of reverts back to how it was, almost. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you're grown up, but my mum still treats me like I'm the little boy. Yeah, and, yeah. I've, I've cooked you your favourite cake. <laughs> I've made you your favourite dinner. I've bought you your favourite biscuits. I mean, the fact that I try not to even eat biscuits and cake these days is completely, like, not important just, to her at all. You've just got to throw your hands up and surrender the minute you walk over that threshold because you're not going <laughs> to stick to anything yeah. like that. No, absolutely. <laughs> My mum, even occasionally, if I go there for have some dinner, just me and her, She'll even sometimes um, I'll have jelly and ice cream bro. <laughs> oh my god. Right, back to your wonderful, illustrious career. I was gonna ask earlier, what how many bow covers have you done? Well it's gone up since the last time we spoke. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and I noticed that recently, actually. Yes. So well, the last time we spoke, it was at, uh, I think it was actually at 49, oh, but God. it's now 53. 53 phone covers. Yeah. yeah. You're not so, bad at this, uh, just enough, are you? <laughs> well, thank God. I mean, you know, I try my best. Do you know what I mean? But I never rest on my laurels, though, I'll be no. honest with you. I always no. think you're only ever as... It's a bit like... With, they would say you're only as good as your last haircut. I always say I'm only yeah. as good as the last shoot that I did. You yeah. know what I mean? But I'm very fortunate that I get to work with amazing photographers who also get asked to shoot covers for Vogue, um, yeah. as well as, you know, shooting for other things, too. But... Yeah, you know, as we've mentioned before, Vogue is... To get a Vogue cover, it's like the pinnacle of a sort of anybody's career really in fashion because yeah. there's only 12 a year um, yeah. you know for each edition in every country and they can pick any picture they want to go on that cover really you know yeah. um, but it's the cover that really sells the magazine when it's on the shelf in a shop it's yeah. what is supposed to draw people to it so to know that you've been part of creating that image that they think is going to make people buy that magazine is quite amazing, really. Um, and I still get excited even now, you know, um, you know, when it comes out, like, like you just said, you just have had uh, two out recently, like in the last month. So, and I'm still as excited now as I was when I got the first one, because I'm always like, wow, I've still got it. <laughs> yeah, that's it, isn't it? That, that thing. Yeah. And, and, and as well, like, you, you can't ever take things for granted, can you? You know, things no. can be, no. They can come to an end. We saw this year, didn't we? You know, the light puts a spanner in the works for everything, you know. And, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I always think, Stuart, that could be my last ever Vogue cover that I work on. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that's why I get as excited as I used, as I always have done, because I never rest on my laurels of like, oh, there'll be another one next month. You know what I mean? Yeah, or of course. Year. Um, of course. Because I might... Like probably shows in your work, and then that's why they... You know, like people are drawn to going, you start coming back to you again. Yeah because, yeah. because of that, you know. Well, your work is your portfolio, yeah. um, especially for Vogue or any other magazine that you work for. People always yeah. want to know how it works. I'm like, that is my portfolio, basically. We don't get paid tons of money to do those shoots. It's not where we make our money in terms of financial. Um, it's kind of seen as, you know, your your way of presenting what you do and showing where you think hair should be right now within um, this period of time in fashion. Because yeah. um, a lot of people don't realize we work quite far in advance. So most shoots happen three or four months before they're actually published. So we're almost working like a season ahead of the season it actually is. Um, obviously, Corona's thrown that out a little bit at the moment, but um, it was interesting with these these covers that I've just had come out because they were, we shot them like a month and a half ago, just after lockdown because the magazine needed covers. And all they said was, we just want them to be colorful, bright and make people happy. And, yeah. you know, that's exactly what they were. Um, yeah. And it was funny that it was a slightly different remix of these covers this time. Um, so, 
yeah, um, less season-based and more about the feeling of what they were trying to say to people when it was sat on the shelf. Yeah, because uh, they're, they're, they're reacting more instantly now, aren't they? I know it's in the yeah. show, I guess, you know, you know, they've recently done, because of Black Lives Matter, and they've recently had that yeah. sort of that content, you know. So yeah. it, it, it may even be that it doesn't go back to so, so seasonal. Maybe it's going to become more reactive. I'll be honest with you. I think that is what's going to happen. I think you're totally yeah. right. I, I'm not sure if it will be so seasonal anymore. I mean, most of the issues that are coming out right now, I mean, we're in August, so the issues that are coming out are the September issues. They are normally seen as the big fashion ones because it's the start of the next season. So normally September and February, I think it is, the February issues, that's yeah. when the show season starts. All the September issues this season don't feel like that's what they're going for. It's yeah. more of a reaction to life right now. And yeah. I actually think in a way it's good because it's more, it's sort of more relevant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I um, think it, uh, I, 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 I like it. I like the fact that they're doing that. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, uh, well, we got, we, we recently got, you know, I haven't got a, Photo cover in me, but <laughs> we recently <laughs> yeah. got a shout out for Haircuts Founder. Uh, they done a little article because Lena Hedy, our ambassador, yeah, um, you know, and they, they, yeah, we got it was nice to have a little tagging Vogue. Wow, oh, great it. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. I mean, it's so good. But you know what, Stuart? Well deserved, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, yeah. to me, you should be shouted about everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. And what you've done. Because it's so incredible, the whole haircuts for homeless thing and what you've achieved with it and where it's still going. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of... Yeah. And apparently it's so relevant for now. You know what I mean? Mm. I mean, even with everything that's happened, I mean, lots of people are going to are losing their jobs. Some people might even lose their homes. Potentially, there could be more homeless people than we've ever had. Do you know what I mean? I, I, think, I think it's coming. I, I, honestly, the, 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 the situation is so lined up you know, yeah. uh, negatively, I'm afraid to to, to get that. It, it, mm. it's, it's, I can't see it not happening, really, unfortunately. No. no. I mean, I just saw this awful thing on the news yesterday with this woman being interviewed. I think she was just outside of Birmingham in Wolverhampton, and she was saying how, at the moment, she, the money that she's getting, because she's lost her job, she's feeding her kids, and all she's eating is bowls of cereal because she can't afford to buy herself mm. any more food. And she was in tears going, I don't know how much longer she's going to go on for. And, you can't, and she sat there and actually went, I might lose my home. And you do kind of think, oh, my God, this is just, like, devastating. Yeah. And, you know, and she was in tears going, please don't tell me while I'm crying. And I was like, oh, my God, I was, I was cheerful, I'll be honest with you. I know. Um, and I see, we see that on a daily you know, basis. And, and it's, it's hard. It's hard not to take it home with you. I mean... Yeah. You joined us, didn't you, last year? Um, yeah. Millie Kendall and the, the British uh, Beauty Council done a British Beauty Week, didn't they, in Covent Garden? Yeah, in Covent Garden. And what a, it was a great day. I, it was such a great day. I weren't sure if it would really, you know, the sort of time of day and everything that they did mm-hmm. it. I weren't sure if it was going to, who's going to have me takers. I went running around the streets to try and find some guys. They wanted to mm-hmm. get a haircut. And it was really good. I mean, how did you, how did you find it that day? Do you know what? I mean, I, as you know, I'd already spoken to you about it, and I think we'd already yeah. done, you'd already done my podcast at that point, hadn't you? Yeah. And we talked about it. And so I'd always said I wanted to get involved, you know, if I could. And obviously when I was invited to do that, I was so like, yeah, this would be perfect, you know. Um, it's Covent Garden, I live in King's Cross, I can get there, it'd be easy, da da da, da. And for me, I found it, it was quite an eye-opening day for me, Stuart, to be honest with you. Yeah. Partly because of what I experienced throughout the whole sort of morning that we were there. You know, I, I guess, for want of a better word, I was a bit apprehensive because you kind of think, how are people going to be? How are they going to react with you? As you know, we do see homeless people that are, you know, drunk or, you know, off their head on drugs. And you kind of think, what state are they going to turn up in? And I remember having the first haircut I did with this woman. Um, I wish I could remember her name. But um, I remember her, you probably remember this, she was being quite particular about how she wanted her hair. And she was being extremely particular, can I say. Yes. 
And I remember in my head, kind of going, oh my God, I wasn't expecting this. You know, I thought they'd just sit there and be grateful. But then I had the most interesting conversation with you afterwards where you were like, Neil, just because they're homeless, didn't mean to say they don't have a choice. And I was like, my God, that makes so much sense. They are still human beings at the end of the day. And yeah, if she wants to have her hair in a certain way, why shouldn't she? Yeah. You know, and it really made me step back and get out of my way of myself, to be honest with you. And go, it's quite you know, isn't it? Yeah, get your head out of your ass for a minute here, do you know what I mean? And look at the, look at the actual situation. Yeah, and I was like, no, she's fine. She can have yeah. whatever hair she wants, really. And There's a moment I looked across... <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's like Neil, Neil Moody 53 vote covers and there's this covers lad he's telling him how he's got a blow dryer <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah do you remember she was and you need to do it like this you need to do it like this but <laughs> oh it makes my day it, it was so humbling for me yeah. that in a way because it's like she don't give a shit whether I've got 53 vote covers or 530 no, no, no. no difference to her whatsoever she knew what she wanted, and she was getting a haircut and blow dry, yeah. and that's... And I actually, like I say, you made me think about getting out of my, my own way for a minute and kind of going, yeah. no, she has a right to have that choice. Of and course. I think it really gave me a different perspective on how I see homeless people as well. Um, I mean, and I'm very... I am one of those people where, you know, I live in King's Cross, even though it's cleaned up a lot, there's still a lot of homeless people around here. And I see them. And you know what, Stuart? Sometimes I'll just go and buy a sandwich and give it to them. If they want it, they want it. If they don't want it, if they don't like it, whether it's ham and cheese, I'm a bit like, what if I give it to somebody else who don't want it? I'm very like that now because I kind of think, well, okay, they might not be what they want, but they can maybe give it to a mate who does. But at the same time, I'm also aware that, that there are sometimes it's better to help in a better way than doing that. Um, yeah, you know, I've read a few things saying that, you know, with homeless people, you shouldn't just feed them, give them money because a lot of them could be buying drugs and drink. And, you know, it's kind of about trying to support the places where they can go to get better or get help. Um, But I also remember um, on that day in Covent Garden, I didn't really, didn't do any other haircuts after that because I ended up getting called to go and speak to a girl who was outside who was too scared to come in. And... I went up to talk to her, and I remember I was up there for about an hour just chatting to her outside, and she was a young girl on a bike, and she had a pan of lager in her hand and stuff, and she was saying to me, I, 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 I want a haircut, but I don't want to come in with this lager, and I said, listen, it's fine, you can leave it outside, because I don't think they want you to be drinking inside, and she was like, yeah, but you know, I, I need to drink it, but I ended up talking, she told me her life story, yeah. and you know, about why she ended up being homeless and she was depressed and she was having these problems with her boyfriend and da 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 da, da. And it was really funny because, again, it opened my eyes massively that, again, these people have so many issues that they are trying to deal with personally. And, you know, and then I got talking to another guy who I think whose hair you cut or maybe one of the other guys did. And he was telling me, you know, he was Irish. He'd come to London to make money. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, great guy, yeah. yeah. He had a big accident and couldn't work. Yeah. But, you know, he was telling me how he suffered really badly from depression and his wife didn't um, cut him off from seeing the kids because he was now on the streets drinking. And and I remember having a chat to him about depression and everything else because, you know, I've suffered from mild anxiety and depression over the years, which I talked about on other platforms um, and it was funny because it also made me realise these people need people to talk to you know yeah. that, that can it's, kind it's of so much more about that than, yeah. than the actual haircut yeah totally the haircut's quite a small part of it really isn't it it is yeah it's important it's valid with the sort of self esteem and, and, and when you see the lift when when someone's really like I've seen grown men like reduce the tears when you just show yeah. them the self. It's almost like you're showing them. The, I remember there was a guy. I make myself cry now. There was a guy in. I was in um, Portsmouth, um, mm-hmm. and this guy was because I'm like uh, I'm sober myself. And yeah. he, he was. He was. 
I think what it was, it's always when they're a bit your, like sort of your age and, and a little bit like your personality that you relate even more. And he was saying, you know, he was saying that he just couldn't start. And, and I, I didn't preach, but I was saying, well, look, I've done it. You know, we can, it's doable. It's not easy, but it's doable. And, and he was and he just started really talking badly about himself. Mm-hmm. And then I finished his haircut and I showed him the mirror and I went, look, that's you, that is, that's, this is, and he had a tear in his eye. <laughs> I'm, I can, I'm well enough thinking about it, you know, he, 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 it was almost like I, sh- I showed him his authentic self, you know, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I showed him the man behind the illness, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's such powerful moments, Neil, you know, um, that you, 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 can't, you can't help but not be, unaf- not be affected by them. Uh, and as you say, it, the positive effect like that one day did for you um, is a continual thing. You know, it, it, it yeah. sort of it moves something in you a little bit. It changes something about you just by doing that. And um, yeah, it, you know. Um, and we, well, I see just the way you know living around here in Kings Cross. I've seen how yeah. people in the streets are with the homeless people, and you know some people are very dismissive. And now. Since having done haircuts for homeless, I feel like I have a different approach to it. It's like, yeah, you know, and I, I, not that I always really look down on them before, but I definitely don't look at them in the same way. I start thinking about what's their story? Why are they here? What's happened to them? You know what I mean? Like, why have they ended up like this and started analysing it a bit more, I guess, for want of a better word. And... I mean, I, obviously, you can't help everybody that's just no. outside the station. But, no. um, you know, sometimes they try and talk to you. And I've noticed I have been talking to them a bit more, whereas before I used to ignore them. Yeah. And, and to be fair to people, I do understand that. Because um, homeless people, especially if, if they're under the influence of, of, of things, they can yeah. be very intimidating. They can be very, very antisocial. They can be yeah. actually quite scary. So yeah, I do get that, Pete. And, and you only have a few certain circumstances of these things where it, it changes your viewpoint. You know, if it only happens to you two or three times, you think, "Oh, I'm not, I can't be doing with that." Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's you need to find the, the flip side of it. And when you get into, I mean, there's always one. There's always one. Every session I've gone to, there's always one that really is very hard to love. <laughs> but then yeah. there's always two or three that just think, ah, this is why I'm here today. You know? But Stuart, is, don't you think in life there's always one that annoys you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have it on your boat shoot, you'll have it on your yeah. behind your yeah. chair in a salon, exactly. you'll have exactly. it on the tubes, you know, like this is yeah. this is the human condition, you know. Yeah. Uh, most of it's manifested in fear. I mean yeah. uh, you know, they say um, aggression is uh, anger is a manifestation of fear. So the the most angry, screamy, shouty person is like a scared little child inside. Yeah, it's um, true. Yeah. Um and that's where a lot of it comes from. Uh, mm. you know, ignorance and fear. Um, but it's, uh, I mean, I have it constant, it's a constant battle with myself when you said about depression. Um, mm. I have it myself, but I do know one thing, that, that going out, and in, in, not just, you know, taking away from haircuts, it's just in any way, shape or form, helping someone else helps you more than, than anything. Yeah. Because it takes that, takes you out of self. Uh, yeah. You know, um, and even being, you know, even if you've got to go on that Vogue shoot and everyone's stressed and it may not be going to plan, if you can be the person in amongst it all who can keep their head and mm. send out that positive message, you know, it, 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 you'll come out of it so much better for it. Yeah. Do you know what's interesting you say that? I mean, I, since lockdown has sort of eased and I've gone back to work and don't get me wrong, it's not suddenly massively busy for us. It's a very weird time. Um, shoots are kind of a bit sporadic here and there. Right now, it's kind of everybody's questioning about, you know, what's going to happen, da 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 da, da. And um, I have to say, every shoot I've been on since I've gone back to work, which was maybe probably middle of July, I feel like the atmosphere is very different in a positive way. It yeah. made people come back a lot less stressed and a lot less 
bothered's the wrong word because every, we, we're all bothered because we want to create good pictures. But I feel like the the importance of it all has been shifted in a way where people are a bit like, no, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're creating fashion imagery. You know what I mean? Or beauty imagery. Yeah. And yes, it's important to get it right because it's gonna. This is what is going to sell these products. However, we can actually have a nice time making it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I, I think um, it, it's this people just got off the hamster wheel, didn't they? Yeah. And I've just, just, I can only do it in my own frame of reference, but I felt I'd got off that hamster wheel and I felt, I really did think I had quite a good balance until mm. I got off that hamster wheel and spent those three months. And, yeah. You know, realised that my balance wasn't anywhere near as good as I thought it was. Mm. I was working hard and not, not smart. I was not as productive. You know, lots of self-analysis realizing that, uh, um, and it, uh, it really increased my gratitude as well. Like, I'm yeah. grateful on a daily basis now. Yeah. Um, you know, even though things are not going as well as they they were, <laughs> mm. I'm still grateful <laughs> that they're going, you know. I think that's a, yeah. that bit as well, wasn't there? We've all got this bit yeah. of a gratitude thing going that totally. right, we can get going again now. Yeah. But you know what I saw for me? It was a bit like, never since I started work at the age of 16 have I had three months off work. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, in, in a chunk like that, where where you're actually forced to not work. You basically, It's not like you, you've gone, oh, it wasn't a choice. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, and I was, I must admit, in the beginning, I was a bit concerned. I was like, oh my God, am I going to go mad? Because I, I got stuck in King's Cross on my own before I could actually go to somebody and, you know, self-isolate with them and be stuck at home yeah. there. So, And I was a bit like, you know, knowing what I can be like as a person, I live on my own, so I'm kind of used to that. But yeah. suddenly that sort of isolation thing, of, as each week went on, he kept going, oh, is he still going on? <laughs> and, um, but in the end, I just tried to be as productive as possible and sort of go... I'm possibly never going to get this amount of time off work again until I retire. So I actually need to try and enjoy this time as much as I can um, of having time to think, like you say, sort of finding this gratitude of, you know, what is important, what's, what's relevant for me right now in the world of, you know, where we're at. And yeah, it's difficult going back because things aren't the same, but it's definitely made me think differently for sure. Um, and not have I was like you know, I was on a bit of a hamster wheel you know kind of working away chugging chugging chugging, chugging. and when you're forced it's almost like we were all pushed off it weren't basically weren't yeah, we? that's it yeah um, and it was like someone went yeah we're pushing you off deal with that <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean sadly I have heard a couple of stories of people that haven't it hasn't ended too well for them but um, I think, you know, and this is one of the other things is I think there are going to be quite a lot of mental health issues after this, some yeah. people. But Massively. I think that for me, it was about just trying to stay positive in my head every day and do something constructive every day, even if it was only a small thing, you know. Um, it was just as simple as cooking something I've never cooked before, you know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, this, this leads me on perfectly to your video that I would just watch with my mouth open <laughs> you going blonde <laughs> tell me about that oh say that again I lost you tell me about that so <laughs> where where did that come from I loved it by the way yeah for the benefit of the listeners I am currently yes. flat and bond <laughs> yes which by the way, in all the 52 years of my life, I have never been platinum blog before. And how it came about is I was, I was doing quite a lot of social media video content because I have a contract uh, with um, the brand Biolage, and, which is part of L'Oreal, and also Steampod, which is part of L'Oreal. And they were asking me to do a lot of online video content for them from home. So I was sort of getting into that, and I taught myself how to use iMovie. This is another constructive thing that happened for yeah. me. I can now edit film, albeit maybe not brilliant, but, you know, um, yeah. I did learn it nonetheless. And 
what happened was was that there's a magazine in America called Document Journal, which is kind of like a fashion, fashion, beauty, street culture art magazine. It's very cool. My friend is the creative director, Sarah Richardson, and another friend of mine who's a makeup artist, Lucia Pironi. She has become the beauty editor just before lockdown. They've made well, they've made her beauty director, and when lockdown happened, they came up with this idea to ask different hair and makeup people to create something on a video platform um, and you could do whatever you wanted. It was literally like, if I wanted to get a cabbage and draw all over it, then I could have done, you know? Right. Um, right. It was pretty much an open book and you had five minutes of video to do whatever you wanted. If you wanted to be a minute long, two minutes, whatever, as long as it sort of was about five minutes maximum. And... Basically, I was invited to do that. And, of course, I sat here racking my brain going, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And my friend Lucia, who's the beauty director, she did hers and it was put out. And I saw it and was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to do anything as good as hers. Um, She basically got all PPE equipment and put it all over the face of a, um, like a doll head and then drew makeup all over. I mean, it was amazing. It was so cool. And everyone was like, oh, it's the coolest thing ever. And I was like, oh, God, now what am I going to do? No pressure. And I was just sat in my flat, and I don't know if you remember, Stuart, when you came around, on my wall, I have a really, really old T-shirt framed of the uh, designer stroke artist called Lee Bowery. Yeah, Lee Bowery, um, yeah. Who was around in the 80s and 90s when you were going to Blitz and everything. I'm sure you did. Yeah, Yeah, I did see him, yeah. Yeah, and I just looked at the T-shirt, and I was like, oh, my God. You know, just randomly just going, oh, I love that T-shirt. I'm so glad I framed it, because... It stopped it from fading. And it's basically, a, the T-shirt has got his face on it. And it's, um, he always covered his face, as you know, in makeup and everything. And I looked in, I thought, do you know what? I'm a big fan of Lee Barry. I wonder if I could do something based on him. And then, as my brain started thinking, I came up with the idea to transform myself into him for the video. Yeah. And... I started to look up, I've got a book of him, so I was looking at the book and looking online at pictures of him, and he had a bald head. And I just thought, oh, I've got a really bad head shape to shape all my hair off. <laughs> and I thought, I'm not going to do that. And I thought, well, how can I get my hair to disappear? And I thought, well, the best thing to do is bleach it. Yeah. So that was where that idea came from. I've never bleached my hair before in my life, as in all over. So I called a colorist friend of mine, and said to her, I want to bleach my hair blonde. I'm on my own. I'm really nervous. Can you help me? She was like, yes. So basically, she sat on FaceTime with me and talked to me through the whole process while I did it. She told me what products to get. And, yeah, we did it all through FaceTime. Meanwhile, I was videoing the process. And um, I had my iPad stuck to the mirror in my bathroom. So the whole thing was being videoed as well. And turned myself bleached platinum blonde yeah but obviously once that was done I then had to carry on and then transform myself with the makeup but I did it all the beard had to come off didn't it you know so then it was a major commitment all of this wasn't it you didn't (laughs) what else am I going to do yeah (laughs) I must admit my first instinct I'll be totally I can only ever be honest I'll be totally honest I thought shit he's lost it (laughs) because I didn't I didn't see the context. I didn't know the context of it all, you see. But all of a sudden, yeah. I just saw you start to bleach your hair and then shave your beard. I thought, fuck, he's, got, he's gone Britney on me. He's gone Britney. Do you know what's funny? Because that was the other thing, shaving off my beard. Everyone knows that I, I've normally always got some kind of facial hair, whether it's a yeah. full-on beard or just a bit. I can't remember the last time I was clean-shaven. And what was funny was that I, I'd done the bleach clean shaven myself and at that time my mum happened to call me on FaceTime and I think she thought I was having a Britney Spears moment as well and she looked at me she went what have you done and I was like mum let's not talk now yeah. I'm in the Don't middle worry, of something it's going to be alright <laughs> to be honest that would make me worry even more <laughs> yeah, I, well, yeah. And then I remember actually after it was all because I did all the makeup. It took me ages to do the makeup because it came out makeup. And I basically whited my face out and then drew shapes on my face and, yeah. you know, and all the rest of it. And it took me quite a while. And again, I was videoing the whole thing, but 
then I had to edit it all down and make it like this five-minute film, which was quite hard, but that's five hours worth of footage. But um, I remember the next day I called my sister, and she was like, oh, my God, you've gone blonde. And she went, Mum's going to go mad. And I went, ah, I'm not 15. (laughs) She can't tell me off. (laughs) (laughs) And then actually, eventually, I did call my mum, and she was a bit like, I don't mind it, actually, you know, Neil. She went, it's all right. She went, it's got a bit nuts, but... um, but yeah, so that was that, and yeah, and it was, and it was funny because I, what was mad to it was I did it, and they'd given me a date when it was going to be released. But because of the Black Lives Matters thing that was going on, the magazine felt that they needed to focus on that for a bit and show their support. So they postponed my video coming out for about four weeks, and right. I had to keep my blonde hair under wraps for those four weeks so I couldn't put any pictures on Instagram or right. you know I mean going, blonde, which I'm not really like that anyway I'm not very kind of like Ta-da, look at me yeah, um, yeah. you know I, but I just thought if I have to because I was doing these videos for L'Oreal and stuff I was a bit like oh my god people are going to see me the blonde hair and my my main thing was I didn't want to spoil what I'd done for this video yeah it would have spoiled the impact would you because it would have spoiled the impact yeah, so yeah. I was doing like, I, did, I ended up my last lot of social media videos for Biolage and Steampod, I had a baseball cap on, and people go, what are you a baseball cap? And why have you got hardly any facial hair? So, of course, I was just thinking, like, oh, you know, it was not, I start like shaving the beard, <laughs> I try yeah. to disguise it. But it was more my personal thing of keeping it under wraps than, you yeah. know. Um, so, of course, when it came out, it did sort of, people were a bit like, oh, my God. But yeah. what was great was the reaction was good. Um and I've had a great reaction to being blonde. I mean, someone said to me, I look 10 years younger. I was like, right, I'll keep this. You know yeah, I mean? <laughs> You only have to be told that once, didn't you? <laughs> someone said, do blondes have more fun? And I was like, I can't tell you because I can't bloody go out and find out. Yeah, that's it, yeah. I mean, I not know. <laughs> yeah, it's a subject at the moment. Yeah, but I can say now, now we're out of lockdown, blondes do have more fun. Oh, well, I'm going to tell you. I'm pleased <laughs> to hear it, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It definitely helps. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, good, <laughs> good, good. I mean, you, you know, I must admit, yeah, I was just, I was just, it was, it drew me in. <laughs> and then obviously, like, being part of that time, you know, as it, it, soon, soon as I saw it was what you were doing, what you were achieving, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's brilliant, you know. I mean, yeah. it just was such a creative, amazing time. And that is, it, it really I was, know. and I think... Funny, I mentioned why, it earlier, isn't it? And it's coming to that. Yeah, I think that's why I went back to it, because actually that time for me, even, you know, as somebody that grew up in that era, I still struggle to see if we'll ever have that again. I mean, you know, working in the yeah. creative industry, we're always looking for ideas. And I do feel that that time we go back to a lot to get inspired. You know what I mean? It's definitely... Because I think it was so outlandish and bonkers because suddenly everyone just was let loose, weren't they? Do what you want, dress like a girl, men can wear makeup, you can wear women's clothes. Like, it was literally like the floodgates were opened um, for people to do what they wanted. And really, it's how it should be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We. I, I was a, um, a trainer... Uh, Trainee hairdresser with um, Roy Hay, who was in mm. Culture Club. So yeah. we used to take, you know, we used to go up with him, um, right. and then he introduced us to George uh, and the rest of the band and everything. Mm. Um, and then it was just like, you know, I remember Steve Strange on the door. It was really odd. I think I think when we first went, he he thought he knew me. And you know you're gonna to have to go with it, aren't you, to get in? Because he really did pick, <laughs> pick you on the door, didn't he? He did like, you know, you you can come in, you can't, and all that. You know, all, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I think particularly for us, going from this real West Six Lake environment mm. and nightclubs to there, it was yeah. like Willy Wonka's factory, you know. And then we went to all the others as well in the Wag Club, and yeah, mm. it was just, uh, yeah. It, you, you can't imagine it in there, can you? I missed Blitz. I wasn't in London then. Right. So I came and Blitz just because I moved to London in 1986. Right. So Blitz was just finished. I think it had just finished, which I always kick myself for in a way. So I'm like, oh. Yeah. I think I it was early 80s. We, I think yeah. we went when it just, just sort of started. Yeah, it's early 80s. Because by 88, I then had another part of my life where I found Raven 
So, yeah. It's like, yeah. you look back and you think, it's like you're watching a film about someone else, isn't it? You yeah. see all these little like, scenarios like you with your, you know, then just going to America for five years. It's, it, you can't believe it's you sometimes, can you? No, no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, it's funny now because I've actually been back from America um, 19 years this year. Yeah. And, but it feels like it was also maybe only a couple of years ago that I was there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it is quite bizarre when you talk about it, you kind of think, God, was that me that he did that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Was that me who was there? I can't, you know, so sort of pinch yourself moments, isn't it really? Yeah. But, it might but be I'm a great believer in it. When when you get opportunities in life, if you think yeah. that they are right, then take them because that's what life's about, isn't it? Really, kind of. You know, I, I think it's point. crucial. I think it's fear yeah. of success holds people back as much as fear of failure. Yeah, I think it's that that sort of you, you know the, the the fear of breaking out your comfort zone. Totally. Sometimes opportunities are missed. Um, and it's having a plan. I think, I think, I know like, I mean, I'm like you, I haven't really, I say I haven't got a plan, but then mm. I, I have got, you know, I've got this thing where I've got goals and I write them down and I look at them every mm. day. And I've, got, I've done that since 96. And yeah, a lot of them have not come to fruition, but some of them have come to fruition that I would never have at the time thought I could manage. Mm. So I think it's all, and, and, and I think what it does, it, it taps into your subconscious. So your your, yeah. your brain opens up to opportunity, and that's yeah. what things like the secret and and I'm, it's basically what they're doing in all of these things. I'm not particular, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fan one way or the other, but I can see why people are drawn to it. But I can see the logic of why all this stuff works because yeah. it opens your subconscious up to them thinking, yeah. oh, uh, you know, it, it won't because it, it you fly it flies past you while you're asleep. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. What is it they call affirmations, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, I've laughed with my friends about the book, The Secret, because I was a bit like, when I got to the end, I was like, where's the fucking secret? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? I've read the whole book. But actually, you know, when you look at it as a whole and realise what what she's trying to do is, is that she's trying to say that you've got to create these affirmations, haven't you, and make mm. things happen. Um and that is the actual secret, but I was yeah. expecting it to be this big thing at the end of the show. You have to buy the next book for that. <laughs> You'll be like, well, that was a load of old crap. But, um, yeah, I mean, we did laugh. We were like, the secret is, there is no secret. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love those things. But that definitely is it, and it? That is the thing. It's just literally, oh, like, keeping your, using your subconscious um, yeah, uh, you know, and keeping your mind open, mm. and uh, you know, wake the fuck up is what I tend to say to myself. Yeah, you know, because I drift off to sleep like consciously. You know, like yeah. and when I'm firing well, when I'm really, really in the zone, all it is is I'm I'm awake. You know, and yeah. there's other times of this constant sort of, and I think that's what happens when you're on that hamster wheel as well. Is that you mm. can like drift into a sort of almost like a waking sleep pattern that, that you, you yeah. You're just going along through the motions, you know. No, totally. And the only thing is, I mean, even now at the moment, there's a couple of things that I'm a bit like, oh, I'm quite fancy doing that. And, you know, I've been putting out a few feelers about certain things. But hmm. I always think as well that I don't like to get too fixated on something because if it doesn't yeah. happen, I don't want to be disappointed. You know, <laughs> the disappointment I find quite devastating. Whereas if I just go, that'd be nice, or that could yeah. be a great thing to do. And so I've obviously... You know, try and do things that will encourage it to happen or, you know, sort of try and meet the right people or whatever. But I then, that's why I said to you before, I've always been somebody that goes with the flow of it and lets things happen naturally at the same time. I've never been some, I think if you try and force it, it's much more of a disappointment when it doesn't happen. Yeah, you've no. got to stay fluid. You've got to stay fluid yeah. with it. If you, if you, yeah. you know, if, that's when it would really work against you. Some sort of, if yeah. you had a rigid goal-setting thing that mm. it's going to work against you because and as well as you're focused if you're too laser focused on one thing that yeah. other great opportunity could just like pass by the other side of you you know like you you're so busy like thinking of that thing and, and you mm. know it, it, it's it's a matter of yeah keeping open keeping fluid learning connecting you know yeah. connecting with people is, is crucial because totally. it, it's just how we learn mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I just, the other day, a friend of mine popped round and we were chatting and I was saying to her, you know what, I've been thinking about doing this. And she went, oh, why don't somebody that, oh my God, if I'd never mentioned that to her. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I had no idea she knew somebody even in that field because her, she's a dog groomer. You know what I mean? Oh, but yeah, yeah. she was just like, oh, me and my friends, and I was like, oh, great. And then, you know, she's put us in touch. But it was very... You know, like I say, it was quite organic the way yeah. it happened. I wasn't sat there going, right, she knows yeah. that we were, you know, so not calculated in any way, shape, or form. So, um, but it's just not me. I'm just not like that. I mean, yeah. even moving to London, I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't yeah. like, I need to move to London, let's figure it out. I mean, I started yeah. saving money and thinking, well, let's see what happens. And then suddenly it was circumstances made me go, I think I can go now. And, I was, and I'm like, hey, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a job when I got here. Um, I lived in a youth hostel in St. Paul's for a month, you know, with oh, 40 other guys sleeping in a youth hostel, which people, yeah. when I tell them that now, they're like, what? And I'm like, well, I just was like, yeah, well, I've got the opportunity to come, so I'm going to come, get a job, if it work out, I'll go home. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know? And thank, thank, God, you, thank, thank God you did. <laughs> Lord knows where I've been. I've probably sat in my mom's, my old bedroom at my mom's. <laughs> being told off by your mum for having an untidy bedroom. But getting the favourite cake. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I've made your favourite cake. <laughs> Lovely. And I lick the well, wall. <laughs> when, when I do, when, when we get, I think next, I think September we're getting a, a haircut from this uh, Birmingham. Um, so I might pop in your mum's for a bit of cake. <laughs> Oh, yeah, let me know, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'll get her to come down. She'll bring it down for you. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. You know where yeah. you're doing it, brother? Uh, we do it in, after, it's it's just outside. Right. Um, I can't remember the name of the place. Lovely place. Um, there again, most of ours are run by people who are just, it's people helping people. Mm-hmm. I, I was saying this the other day to someone, we've got 67 sites. And not one of them is is paid for or organised by any government or council. They're all sort of people-led things, or charitable ones, or or you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a real it's a real people movement, um, mm-hmm. and we we mm-hmm. just uh, attach into them. So it's on the outskirts somewhere. I'll find that. I'll let you know when I'm going yeah. and when we're going to be there. Um, yeah. It's a lovely. There's some lovely people there in the band. Mm-hmm. I love going there. Um, and I'm sure that's September sometime we're up. Oh, okay. We've got, yeah, a few, you know we've got a few months we're opening. Yeah. It's funny because with Birmingham, I've, I went from like, when I left, I'm like, ugh, get me out of here. I've suddenly over the years developed a soft spot for it. Um, you know, and I feel very different about it now as a city. I'm quite, quite defensive if people start slacking it off. No, but, I, um, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for it. And we, we you know, I think we, we tend to, Go into the tr- on the train into the main uh, mm. uh, station, which is yeah. like a little sort of shopping centre. No, it's in a station oh, yeah. like it. Yeah, you go up and then you're in this sh- uh, shopping centre. We we stay in the, the cheapest ones normally, the um, Travel Lodge or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, I like it there. I think it's, I think do you know it's what they've worked so hard to do it to make it a decent city. Yeah. Or, without wanting to sound disrespectful to it, it was a bit of a dump, you know? And yeah. and also had a bad reputation for being a bit ugly and da da da, da. And bless them, they've made a, such a big conscious effort to make it a better city, make it yeah. look better, you know what I mean? And and just kind of... And I always say thanks to Tiki Blinders as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It cool. It cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to the writer of Peaky Blinders. Yeah, thank you very much. Because back in the day, we used to talk, people thought we, we were like Benny from Crossroads with wool and apple. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yes, Miss Doyan. Yeah, exactly. That's what everyone thought I was when I was in Colossus. Where's your woolly at, man? <laughs> Oh, no, look, you wanted to hide, you, you wanted to hide your blonde hair, you could have just put the woolly hat on and be a berry. <laughs> <laughs> you might have lost your sponsorship then. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Now I've just got a razor blade and a piece of cap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I can't think, I mean, we've done it, we've gone, we've gone over, I knew we would, um, but... 
uh, I've loved every minute. It's always oh. good. It feels like it's been <laughs> been five minutes. You know, it just feels no, like a five minute chat. Um, I know. I love talking to you as well. Stu. I feel like we could stay <laughs> for hours having a chat. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do part two in a couple of months, probably. <laughs> no, <laughs> but <laughs> um, you know, thanks for giving me your time. Um, Pleasure. Thanks for being you. And um, oh, thanks for being wish, you as well. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you all the best. Thanks again, yeah, cheers, cheers. No worries. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. See ya. It's just over five years ago. I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people. Some of the people that work in some of these places, many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job. This is a calling. 